So as you may know, if you've been around the last few weeks, the last couple months, we are in a sermon series called One. We're studying through the book of Acts pretty much from start to finish. We've had to summarize a few sections. But the book of Acts might be uh, uh, summarized in this way. It's about one God who establishes for himself one church. And he gives that church one mission. And that one mission becomes the one focus of the life of every person part of the church. Which means if you're a follower of Jesus, your life has one focus that comes from God. And that is what we're going to talk about for the next eight weeks. From now until Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about one focus. What does it look like to be a person who lives a life with focus? But the moment I identify the topic of focus... We also have to confess that we live in a very unfocused world. Our world, our lives, our everyday are filled with noise and busyness and distractions of all sorts. I was sitting next to my son helping him with his homework the other day when suddenly he elbowed me in the side and said, Dad, see, because even though I was technically helping him, I was distracted. My mind was somewhere else. I was sitting at the dinner table the other night when my wife from across the table says, Carl, what are you thinking about? Because she could see on my face, even though I was physically present, I was distracted. My mind was somewhere else. I'm guessing many of you have experienced this in your life. Or maybe on a bigger scale, maybe you're at work and you have a big project that you need to get some work done on. Or maybe you're trying to do some professional development and and gain a new skill, whatever it is. You're, You're trying to focus on what's important, but distraction seems to prevent you from accomplishing what you need to accomplish. And then, of course, there's the little distraction devices that we carry around in our pockets every moment of every day. Research suggests that the average person picks up and interacts with their smartphone between 70 and 90 times every day. If you count just the number of times you touch the screen, every letter on the text message, the average for Americans is 2,600 touches every single day. If I interact with my phone 70 times a day, that means I'm on the low end. That means I'm interacting with my phone on average once every eight minutes and 30 seconds. We live incredibly distracted lives in an incredibly distracted world. And not only have you experienced that and have I experienced that, but actually as I've been preparing the content for this sermon, I've had a number of conversations with people who have confirmed to me This is one of the biggest challenges of their lives. They go through their day, they go through their week, they get to the end of the month and they look back and they go, I've been working so hard. I've been checking so many boxes off the to-do list, but I don't know if all that work is actually going somewhere. Sometimes it feels like everything we're doing is just one big pile of distraction. Well, here's the big idea that I want to talk about both today and in the weeks to come. I think the cure to the curse of distraction is focus. 
And what I mean by that is not increasing our skill with focus, though that's important, and I hope you are becoming somebody who can do the work of focus more effectively. But what I actually want to talk about is in order to become somebody good at doing the work of focus, we must first have a point of focus. You can't be focused if you don't have something to focus on. I think that focus is the cure to the curse of distraction. And we're going to explore that in a lot of ways in the weeks to come. But I believe that if we can get a better focus in our lives, it will help us become better at life. So just check in with yourself for a second and tell me this. Can you answer this question? If, if focus really is the cure to distraction and a better focus can help you get better at life, how confidently can you answer this question? What is the focus of your life? I mean, your life has a lot of important things in it. You've got relationships. You've got family. You've got work. You've got finances. You've got an internal life. You've got an external life. You've got a lot of important things in your life. And so the question is, do you have something clearly in focus that organizes all of these important things or... Like many of people, are you living your life like a pinball machine bouncing from one important task to the other? What is the focus of your life? And all the more, not only is distraction something that often undermines our life, a challenge we have to follow, but we know that even more sinister things can come our way. One of the other things that can challenge us in the midst of a busy and distracted life is the reality that we also are experiencing some really big and painful things. We're going to read today about the life of the Apostle Paul, whose life we've been following for quite a while. And Paul is coming into a season of life of intense suffering. And so we know that not only is distraction a challenge, but suffering is an even greater reality, sitting on our backs, pulling our attention this way and that. Suffering is something that, on the one hand, it's bad, and we instinctively avoid it, like pulling your hands away from a candle. But on the other hand, suffering is something that, with God, can produce growth in our lives. Even though suffering is often an evil thing, God wants to redeem it and produce growth and character in us. And that can create a tension for us. And so in that tension, we ask ourselves, so what do we do? We live distracted lives, both with some of the small things like cell phone notifications, but also with the heavy things like pain and grief and suffering. And we know that God is inviting us into something bigger, but man, is it hard. So here's what I want to invite you to do this morning. I want to invite you to do what we do every week. We're going to read the words of Scripture, and we're going to hear a little more about a story about this man named Paul, a man who faced distractions of all sorts, but managed to keep an intense focus of his life, a man who encountered huge suffering, but that suffering didn't overwhelm him or throw him off course. Rather, he managed to stay focused and persevere through the suffering. 
And so we're going to read about a moment in his life when his focus helped him in an incredible way. And here's my hope. If you're suffering at all, and that burden is hard for you to bear, if you feel like your life is significantly lacking in focus in any way, I hope that you would open your heart and open your mind and just say, God, will you teach me something this morning? And I hope that as we read God's word, we might find a better focus for our life so that we can become better at life. We're going to be in just a second in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. Uh, If you want, I'd encourage you to grab a Bible, open it up, go there right now, the book of Acts chapter 20. You can also grab our sermon notes uh, off the website, sentcov.org. Click this week at CCC. You'll find a link there. They were also in your all-church email. Um, But where we're at in the story is Paul has just been on a long journey planting churches. I actually did the math, and if you calculate all of Paul's missionary journeys— they cost, in today's dollars, about $250,000 to fund. And that's per person. And we know Paul traveled with many people. So Paul has been investing huge money, huge time, huge resource into this international church planting mission he's been on. And now he's going to go back to Jerusalem. But he can tell that when he gets to Jerusalem, some pretty hard things are probably going to be coming his way. And as he's getting ready to travel to Jerusalem, he's talking to some good friends of of his, the leaders of one of the churches he has planted, a church in a city called Ephesus. And what we're about to read from the mouth of Paul are some words that he says to these dear friends of his, that are going to give us a glimpse into the intense focus in Paul's life, the way that focus helps him stay on track in the middle of all sorts of distractions, and the way that focus helps him endure in the midst of great suffering. Here's what Paul says in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit... I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I want to highlight four things that Paul says here that I think can help us on our quest to live lives of greater focus. First of all, Paul says he's going to go to Jerusalem, and everybody around him is kind of saying, Paul, it's not a good idea for you to go to Jerusalem. What happened to the last guy from Judaism, giving a new message in Judaism, who went to Jerusalem. Yeah, you remember him? His name's Jesus. What happened to his life? Yeah, Paul, what do you think is going to happen to you after you planted some Jesus-following churches and you go back to Jerusalem? But Paul tells us why he's going to Jerusalem. He says he's going because he is compelled by the Spirit. 
We've actually seen this theme a number of times throughout the book of Acts. The people of God who make a great impact with the help of God for God's kingdom in the world are consistently people who know the sound of God's voice. They're people who stop and listen, who hear the voice of God, who get those words confirmed in their life, and the voice of God guides the focus of their lives. I've asked you previous times, are you familiar with the sound of God's voice in your life? The other day I was at home and I needed my son Tobiah for something, but Tobiah's bedroom is down in the basement and Tobiah was in his bedroom. So, you know, down the stairs, around a corner, through two doorways. And so I went and I leaned over the little half wall down to our basement and I just shouted, Tobiah! And I heard him respond, Yeah, Dad? Well, hold on a second, Tobiah. You're down in the basement, down the stairs, around a corner, through two doorways, and all that I said is one word. I just said your name, Tobiah. And he didn't shout back, who is that? He didn't shout back, was that you, Naomi, my sister, or is Grandpa here? No, no, no. With only one word shouted down the stairs, Tobiah responded, yeah, Dad? Do you know why he responded that way? Because my son is intimately familiar with the sound of my voice. If God were to shout your name in your life right now, would you be familiar enough with his voice that you could respond, yeah, dad? If you struggle with distraction in your life and you want focus, if you want greater focus, Become familiar with the sound of God's voice. Paul knew where he was going and why he was going there because he was a man familiar with the voice of God so that when God shouted out, hey, Paul, Paul responded, yeah, Dad? And Paul was able to do what his heavenly Father told him to do. And here's the really challenging reality for Paul's life. The thing that God was calling Paul to do led him to a season where he knew that prison and hardships were coming ahead. And, and now, you know, remember this. Paul has already faced prison and hardships in his life, but it looks like the prison and hardships are going to get even worse. And sometimes it seems like for all the suffering Paul is, is carrying on his shoulders, it seems as though he's able to persevere and manage this in a pretty incredible way. And the reason actually builds off our first point. The reason is because he's super familiar with the sound of God's voice because God has spoken to him quite clearly. The book of Acts tells us in a few different places some of the words that Jesus spoke to Paul, giving Paul the one focus of his life. Here's one of the times that Jesus described his mission for Paul's life. Jesus is actually talking to somebody else about Paul. And here's what Jesus says about the purpose and the focus of Paul's life. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him 
how much he must suffer for my name. Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard from God, hey, Carl, I'm going to show you how much you must suffer for my name, I know where my eyes might start going. One word in the phrase, they would just go right to suffer. And that's because that's what suffering does in our lives, doesn't it? I mean, let's be honest. You know, I know, we all know, there's a lot of people in our community, and you might be one of us, who have gone through heavy suffering in life. And the fact of suffering is that often the cause of our suffering becomes the sole focus of our life. It's like we can't peel our eyes off it. Like when you drive by a car accident on the road, and even though you know maybe you shouldn't, you still can't help but looking. The suffering can become the single focus of our lives. But Paul was able to do something pretty incredible. Every time suffering came his way, he didn't let his eyes get drawn to the suffering, but he kept his eyes fixed on something else. Namely, he kept his eyes fixed on the one focus God had given him for his life. Because he was familiar with the sound of God's voice, the words God spoke became the one focus of his life, and he kept his eyes focused on that in the midst of everything he was facing. Focus allows us to persevere in the midst of suffering. So, if you want to be able to persevere in the midst of suffering, know this. We must keep our eyes fixed on something bigger than our suffering. We must remind ourselves that there is something bigger than our suffering, namely the God who created the world and is doing a good work redeeming all of the evil and brokenness. We must remember that is true, and then we have to keep our eyes fixed on our God, who most certainly is bigger than all of our suffering. Paul goes on and explains a little more what this means for him to keep his eyes fixed on something bigger than whatever circumstances he's facing in his life. He goes on and says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. All right, hold on a second, Carl. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I consider my life worth nothing? I mean, that's a little weird of a thing to say. I mean, first of all, Carl, did you know that today is actually Valentine's Day and you're talking about suffering in your sermon on Valentine's Day. That was a weird enough thing to begin with. But now you're pointing to Paul who says, I consider my life worth nothing. That just feels like a bizarre thing to say. Well, it turns out Paul actually talked like this very often. As you might know, Paul wrote a lot of letters to a lot of the churches he planted, and those letters make up the bulk of what we call the New Testament in our Bibles. And in a number of those letters, Paul talks about and actually explains further why it is that he considers his life worth nothing. Let me read one of them from his letter to the church in a city called Philippi. Paul explains a little more what he's really trying to say. What is more... I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So when Paul says 
he considers his life worth nothing, it's not because he really thinks his life is of no value, but rather it's because of the power of comparison. Now, you and I might experience the power of comparison in a negative way pretty often, right? I mean, we tend to look at our lives and we often compare who we are to somebody else that we perceive as better than us. And when we get stuck in the comparison trap, it can be really debilitating. But Paul took the power of comparison and flipped it on his head. And Paul said, no, 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 I'm not comparing myself to somebody else. Paul says, I'm comparing my earthly life. I'm comparing my physical life and everything here. I'm comparing that with something else I already have. Namely, the eternal life that Christ has given me and infused into this life. Jesus actually talked about turning comparison on its head. He told a parable, and the parable went like this. As Jesus told it, he said there was a man. And he was walking around in kind of a dusty, empty field. When suddenly he stumbled upon a treasure. And this treasure had incredible value. I mean, imagine that you're out hiking in the Rocky Mountains in the middle of nowhere, or maybe you're out in the plains of eastern Colorado, and you just stumble upon this feet in this little box, and you open it, and inside is an unbelievable treasure. I mean, you can't imagine. It's got to be worth more than everything else you have in your life. Well, Jesus continues the parable and says, this man, realizing the field was not his, so he couldn't just take the treasure. Do you know what he did? He ran home. And he gathered all of his possessions. He got his car. He got the mortgage to his house. He got his vintage record collection. He got the new watch he'd just been given for his anniversary. He got his favorite leather jacket. The man went home and gathered every single thing he owned. He got all of it together. And he looked at it all. And I can imagine if you gathered everything you owned and you looked at it all, there might be a bunch of stuff there that you thought, you know what? This is really quite valuable stuff. I love this stuff. It's great stuff. Okay, there might also be some junk there that you think, why do I still have this? I should throw it away. But there's probably also some stuff that's really valuable. Well, Jesus continues the story and says, you know what the man does? He takes everything he owns and he puts it all on eBay and he sells every single item. Why? So that he can then go and buy the field so that the treasure is now his. That parable is exactly what Paul has in mind when he says he considers his life worth nothing. But the critical thing is that Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing, not because he had a low view of the value of his life, but because he had such a high view of the value of his life in Christ. You want to have greater focus in your life? You want to learn how to persevere through the midst of suffering? Here's what you need to do. You need to stop and you need to say, I've been given new life from Jesus Christ. If you don't know what that means, if you're watching and you're not following Jesus with your life and you don't know what it means to receive the unimaginable gift of new life from Christ, you need to talk to somebody about that. Whoever sent you the link to this video, you need to text them right now and say, can I call you and talk to you? Because Carl's saying high value of life in Christ, and I don't know what that means. 
If you are a Jesus follower, you need to stop and you need to ask yourself, do I recognize? Has it sunk in? Or have I let myself get distracted by all the things of the world? Do I remember the high, high, high value of the gift I've been given of life from Jesus Christ? A gift whose value is so great, it makes everything else in my life look, as Paul said, like garbage. Paul's a man whose intense focus, whose ability to persevere through suffering, came not because the suffering wasn't real, not because the distractions didn't come his way, but because he kept his eyes on something so much bigger, and he always remembered just how great the gift was that God had given to him through Christ. Which then led Paul to be able to say that when he looked at his life, he had one and only aim. He said, my only aim is to do the work God has given me to do. And this is the critical next step. See, because if you read the scripture, if you've been around here and you've heard the preaching from this church, you know that God has a mission. He's given the church one mission. And that mission is to make disciples, make people who are followers of Jesus. How? By going into all the world into our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces across the globe, teaching people everything Jesus taught when he lived on earth, inviting them to put their faith in Jesus, and when they do, baptizing them into the life of Christ. But that big mission for the whole church finds specific expression in every single individual life. It finds expression in your life when you find out how the gifts And the experience and the knowledge God has given you has a powerful purpose in the church's mission. For Paul, that purpose was to proclaim the good news of God by starting new churches. And that's what sustained him through everything. That's what shaped the way he thought about everything he saw in life. What about you? Do you know the focus of your life? Because here's the thing about focus. The object of our focus determines how we see everything else. As I was getting ready for this sermon, I realized that photography is really a pretty powerful illustration. But I also realized I don't know much about photography. So I called and I talked to a couple of photography friends, our worship pastor, David Dillon, uh, Matt Tolson, many of you know. And I said, tell me a little bit about focus. And here's what they said. First of all, Great photographers know that there can only be one point of focus in a picture. If there's not one point of focus, all you've got is a blurry picture that sort of does, who knows what it does. But the second thing that actually Matt Tolson told me is the mistake a lot of photographers make is they get the image in focus, but they have too big of a depth of field. They're trying to make the whole landscape the focus of the picture. And what most great photographers will tell you is you want not just to have focus, but you want to have a narrow and clear point of focus. Almost like a clarity as unique as your life is in comparison with the billions of lives on this earth. So let me ask you again with that in mind, if it's true that the object of focus shapes how we see everything in our lives, If it's true that getting a better focus helps us get better at life by eliminating distractions, 
by helping us endure in the midst of suffering. If that's all true, what is the focus of your life? And I don't know where you're at. You know, maybe, um, maybe you're somebody who, if your life is a camera, the lens cap is on, the power's turned off, and if you're honest, you're just like, I, I got nothing. Not only do I not have a focus for my life, I don't even know what the focus of my life would be. If that's you, I want to make an invitation. I believe that God made you for a purpose, and God wants to give you a focus to your life that will make your life so much better in so many ways. Note, it's not going to necessarily make your life easier or take the suffering away, but it will make your life better. And if that's you, you've got no focus in your life, please reach out to a pastor at this church. Reach out to whoever invited you to join the live stream. Whoever you know, reach out to somebody and say, tell me more about what this guy Carl is talking about right now. Maybe you already know Christ. Maybe the lens cap of your life is taken off. But when you look through the viewfinder, you see smudges all over the lens and you know that it's out of focus. You need to get a rag and clean off the lens of your life a little bit. If that's you, two invitations. First, remember to look back and ask yourself, when have I had an encounter with Jesus in my past? Because that's what Paul did all the time. He remembered his encounter with Jesus in the past. And that led him to have more and more encounters with Jesus in the present. And that cleaned up the focus of his life. Or third, maybe you're somebody who when you look through the viewfinder of your life, you do have a crystal clear answer to that question. In which case, two things for you. First of all, keep your regular encounters with Jesus, a regular practice on your life. You know this, but stay faithful. Second, be looking around and asking, how can I take the experience God has given me and help somebody else find the same clarity of focus in their life as well? What's the focus of your life? I don't know what kind of camera lens you're looking through, but I hope whatever that lens is, you will do something. Whether to find the focus for the first time, clean up the lens and get a clearer focus or maintain your focus and help others learn as well. Which brings us, as always, to the question of what's your move going to be? And I want to just remind you of three questions we can ask that might really help you find that one focus that God has for your life to join him in his mission. So first of all, have you encountered, have you had an encounter with Jesus? Have you had one in the past? If so, make sure you're remembering it. Make sure you're calling it to mind. Are you having encounters with Jesus on a regular basis where you're stopping? You're still in your heart. You're still in your mind and you're saying, God, I'm listening to your voice. Second question, where are you fixing your eyes Maybe you know the voice of Jesus and you listen to the voice of Jesus, but maybe there's some suffering or some challenges and obstacles in your life that are so big, they're just drawing your attention constantly onto that painful thing. Remember, if we want to persevere in the midst of the challenges of life, we must keep our eyes fixed on something bigger than whatever suffering or challenges we're facing. Third, How will you increase the clarity of your focus? We know that there are things we can do 
to clean off the lens of our lives, to adjust the focus and to bring things into clarity just like Paul had. The question isn't whether or not we know it. The question is whether or not we're going to do it. Last week, I invited you to consider some optional homework. A few of you told me you really don't like the word homework. You you sort of had put homework behind you. I'm sorry for that. If you don't like the word homework, call it something else. Call it whatever you want. Call it a gift to yourself. But I'll keep using the word homework. And I gave you three options. I said three things you can do to grow closer to God, to learn the sound of his voice, or in today's language, to find greater focus. Three things you can do. Journaling, scripture study, or learning to hear God's voice by engaging with our new podcast, Centered, like I already talked about. Last week I made some homework assignments and I got a lot of feedback that a lot of you grabbed onto that. So along with our study guide for personal or small group use, we also have some short assignments that you could try to grab onto to help you engage focus in your life. I put some journaling questions to prompt you to look at where God might already have been speaking into your life. Journaling is a powerful practice where often the things you already know in your head find greater clarity when they cross through the tip of your pen and onto the page. Second, God speaks through his scripture into our lives. So the scripture study I put together today was I pulled together the six or seven places where Paul talks about the way he sees the value of his life compared to the value of life in Christ. And I listed them all out so that you can look them all up, you can read them, you can compare them, and you can just ask yourself, what would it look like for me to have this type of clarity in my life as well? Last but not least, check out our podcast, Centered. You can search search Centennial Covenant Church Centered on Apple Podcasts or Spotify And remember, this season, season two, which just launched today, is also going to have a website with some unique artwork created by Centennial artists, some unique creative writing pieces, so that we have an immersive experience, both present on the website and through the podcast. But whatever it is, here's my hope, that by leaning in to God's offer to give you, in his mission, one focus in your life. You might learn to fight the distraction, to persevere through the difficulties. You might get to the end of your day, your week, your month, the end of your life, and look back and say, I know exactly what my life was about because I was doing the work that God had called me to do. Here's what I know. A lot of us in this community are already living our lives this way. A lot of us are serving in ministries, are viewing our jobs in the marketplace, are viewing our work in the homes as an expression of the one focus God has given to us. So as we talk about one focus for the next eight weeks of our sermon series— We also want to celebrate the way that God has already been speaking in this way into people's lives and highlight the stories of a number of people from Centennial who are living their lives because God has spoken and given them one focus. This series of videos has been put together by one of our ministry teams, the Flourish team, who oversees our relationship with all of our local ministry partners And our first video comes from a longtime member of Centennial, a guy named Matt George. And he's going to share about one of the ways God 
has been continuing to give focus to his life. Check out the video now. Nice to see you. How are you today? Hey, um, I'm Matt. I'm just going to share a little bit about. They, Flourish asked me. The ministry team asked me to share a little bit about what we've been doing ministry-wise. I know each of us have been doing a, the best we can in the midst of COVID. Um, one of the ministries that I'm involved in is called Highline Place. Uh, Sue Peck and I have been doing that for many years. And when COVID came about, they said um, you can't come see us for health reasons, obviously because of COVID. So um, I thought about a different way to still reach out and still be able to be there. And so I put the chapel service on my smartphone and then send it through YouTube so that they re the residents can still watch it. So since March, they've been seeing the service. And it's just been a great way just to connect. And uh, even though it's not the same that we've been doing, it's still a way that we can try to connect. And so I think that's kind of the thing that I've learned in the midst of all this is that still keep trying to reach out to people, which we've really been doing, but it's going to look a little different. At Highline Place, uh, I close in prayer each week and I say, um, dear God, thank you that you have the whole world in your hands. And that includes each and every one of us. And so um, we sing, of course, the song. He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 Amen. See ya. For those of you that know Matt, you know this video was just classic Matt George, a man who, no matter what life brings his way, looks for the opportunity to continue to live and serve in the way that God has called him to live and serve. Over the next seven Sundays, we're going to start just before each one of the sermons uh, by sharing another one of the videos from a member of our community. With that in mind, would you pray with me now? God, like we said at the beginning, we know... Our lives are full of noise and busyness and distraction. Beyond that, we also know there are some big challenges, some great suffering that we're facing. Lord, help us to consistently remember to stop and listen to the sound of your voice, to remember the encounters we've had with you in the past that give clarity to our purpose and focus in the present and Give us the strength, Lord, no matter what season we're in the midst of, to keep our eyes fixed on something bigger than the circumstances of our life, but to keep our eyes fixed on you, our God, and the one focus that you have given to each and every one of us. Amen. <laughs>